Yeah, obviously the results um, very pleasing. Um, you know, against a really difficult opponent, Everton have uh, you know, arguably been the form team of the competition for the last few weeks, and uh, you can see why today they work hard. Started the game well. We 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 kind of got on top of them. Apart from the goals, we our football was good and we were really threatening. And then just you know after we sort of got two 0 ahead, we just eased back a little bit and I thought that allowed them to get back in the game. We just took a bit more time on the ball and, you know, some of it was because of them. They, they, they kept working hard and then the um, second half, it just turned into a little bit of a, you know, a transition sort of game and, um, yeah, we had to show some resilience and, you know, some strong defending in the box. Um, a couple of outstanding saves from... Um, from Vic, who was who was brilliant again today, so um, had a little bit of everything, a different type of performance by us, but um, I guess the pleasing thing is we got the three points. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The reason that I'm here is because you know, the club is seeking change. He said, well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know, my hope and my desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome in to the Tottenham Depot and Merry Christmas to all. Spurs have three more points in the bank before the holiday. Uh, this is episode 157. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Stetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. You can also leave us a rating and review if you want to give us something for the holiday. That would be wonderful. Uh, we're here to talk about Tottenham Hotspur 2, Everton 1. I've got Caroline alongside. She is at CG Steph Go. Caroline, are you ready for the holiday? Are you, are you, are all the shopping's done? The, the, the presents wrapped? I, I think so. I have one more hat to knit, and then I think I'm done. So, yeah, I'm hanging in there. It was, it was good to have the distraction of a Tottenham game this morning. <laughs> you got to get the elves to knit the hats. I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be capable, but I'm sure you're, you're, you're fully capable of that. Todd is also with us. He is at TC underscore Cachot. TC, what about you, my friend? Are you ready for Christmas? Ho, 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 baby. Uh, you know, any day that you can uh, wrap some presents while watching uh, Spurs pick up a, a, a league win and go uh, top four before Christmas, that's a good fucking day. It is indeed. I'm also really, really happy that we've got Scott back on the podcast after a little bit of time away. He is... <laughs> Uh, at Scott G Bird on the Twitters, I did. I, you know, it's funny. I was going into that, and I almost said the old one, and I remembered <laughs> right at the last second, and I got it right too. Scott, what's going on, you my did. friend? Well done. Not much, man. Just finished a little Christmas shopping today. Um, after after a nice three points this morning, barely got the three points right. We'll definitely talk about that, but um, but we did, and barely got the Christmas shopping done, but we did, and yeah, we're in good shape. No question about it. Um, guys, coming into this one, we knew there would be a few changes, and I think they were mostly expected changes. We got Emerson Royale at left back in place of 
Destiny Adogi, who was serving suspension, also needed to replace one in the midfield, of course, with Basuma being out suspended as well. Uh, and we got Oliver Skip. Um, Todd, I want to go to you with this one first, my friend, because, you know, we know that you are a PEH fan. I almost mm-hmm. would have expected to see PEH over Skip, but we didn't. Um, we'll get to how Skip played after this, but we're, on first impression, were you surprised it was Skip getting the start in place of Basuma? No, no, especially after Angie's comments over the week where, you know, people asked him about Skip and he said, you know, usually when we bring Skippy on, it's, it's, you know, we're asking him to play in like that SAR, like more advanced role to kill off the game or something along those lines, but he's a six and he'll play in a six and a soon, you know, sooner or later. So the fact that he showed up in a starting lineup today was not at all surprising for me to be completely candid with you in this system. I feel as though that's the better option for Ange if choosing between Skippy and PEH. Quite frankly, because PEH is not meant for this system. And so because of that, more opportunities with PEH means more opportunities for him to fuck it up. Today, he didn't do that. Skippy did a significant job in in rotating play and allowing the, the players ahead of him to do the work, which is all you can ask him to do. We didn't talk about him a lot, which means he did a hell of a job. PEH came on. And actually, for PEH in the system, had one of his best showings for Ange. So I wasn't mad about the way that PEH showed up in in closing minutes of that match either. So all the way around, I feel, as as far as the midfield is concerned, as far as the rotational pieces are concerned, we saw about what we expected to see until, fuck my life, Eric Dyer came on at some point in time. Yeah, we will come on to that. Um, Caroline, I want to go to you next. Someone else you want to shout out. I mean, whether it's Emerson, whether it's another solid job by by Ben Davis, whether it's someone in the front, go go wherever you want with this, and we'll kind of bounce this around, because I thought there were a lot of performances today that kind of deserve a shout out. Yeah, I think just in looking back at the highlight just now, um, I had kind of overlooked how great SARS' pass was to Johnson. Uh, right before Richarlison's goal. So I think we're really starting to see, you know, the best of Sar. Obviously, he's he's had a few games that he's missed um, kind of in the middle chunk of the season. But, yeah, I thought he played really well. And honestly, it's hard to really pinpoint anyone who played poorly today. I know things got kind of dicey at the end of the game, but it didn't necessarily feel like a sort of individual mistakes kind of game, you know? Well, you know, <laughs> we can talk about that. But otherwise, I feel like everyone was pretty solid. I mean, Emerson had a bit of a scary moment, which I think we're probably going to have some debate about that topic. But otherwise, I felt like it was pretty solid performances all around. We know that it's still a situation where we've got so many injuries and people coming in and out of the lineup. So I'm, I'm happy when we can get a win. Wish we could have had the clean sheet but still a pretty good result considering that Everton had been in such good form and really didn't play badly today. I, I like that you shouted out Sar because I think to, to Todd's point about how well Skip played, I think a lot of that has to do with Sar being able to be Agreed. in that role as the eight and play the box-to-box role. I think he can make a midfield partner look pretty good in that role, um, even if it is Skip or if it's Hoybier or you know whoever it may be, you know Bentoncourt when he eventually comes back. I think everybody can can be improved as a mid, mid, midfield partner by Pat Matisar and the way that he's playing. I'm I'm a little brokenhearted that we're going to lose him for a few games uh, in January, but 
you know, that we're going to lose a couple players. So it, it's going to be, that's going to be the situation we're in. Scotty, where did you want to go with this? Kind of just, you know, give me your, your thumbnail take on, on this game and what we saw. Yeah. I mean, I think I talked about it a little bit this morning, but I think just another example of us being gritty and getting a win, right. Which is kind of the, the, I don't know if it's always been the, the staple of an Ange team. I suspect it is with all the, the time titles he's won, but it's certainly the staple of this team right now. Um, either either losing at the last minute or finding a way to grit it out, and they did today. But it's all about the midfield and and the steep drop off after after that Basuma Sar Madison combo, Kulisevsky, whatever you want to call it. Right? I think beyond those four, we just can't expect a whole lot from whoever's in that in that midfield trio. And today again, we squeaked it out, but. Um, I think it it you know the the squeakiness of it all comes from again that steep drop off after those those three or four guys that do a really good job in the midfield. So I think once we get that sorted out, we'll be in really good shape. And three points is three points. Whoever whoever was playing in the midfield and however it happened, right? So I'm happy. I think the other observation I just have from this game is that, and I think it's not something that we were surprised by. We kind of knew that Everton were a really on form team coming in, but. Everton are pretty good. Like that's a proper no. Premier League team. No, no they, the they are. Here. Honestly, they they're are, not. Man. They're not. No, dude, I'm sorry. They're not. They're not. And I'll tell you exactly why. It's because the most threatening piece of their entire team is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And I'm sorry, you're not going to tell me that you're a good Premier League team when that's the number one guy in your attack. I'm sorry. Their form's good. Uh, you got to at least. Yeah, no, no, form's good. I mean, they're form's on great good. form right now. Form's well, good. But that is they're more a mid-table team. They're mid-table. I'm not saying that well, they should no, be no, competing no. for Europe. Less than 30 seconds ago, you said they are a good team, and that's why I got excited. I think a mid-table. I think, I think a mid-table Premier League team is a pretty good team. That's that's where I'm then at. Then you think Crystal Palace is a good team because they're mid-table every year, and that's your opinion. But I disagree. Well, Crystal Palace, Palace right is now, another story. No, <laughs> no, no, Todd, Todd, that, that, that's where you're wrong. Crystal Palace are two points ahead of Everton, and remember that's an Everton minus ten points. So, no, Crystal Palace are not a good team. Well, I never said that Crystal Palace were a good team. What I said was Crystal Palace is mid-table every year because they are. And when everything shakes out at the end of the year, they're going to be somewhere between 10th and 14th as they are every single year because that's who they are as a team. And honestly, this Everton team lines up just like a, a, a fucking Crystal Palace team did with Zaha for all those years. Like, the thing is, is that you're going to get some jammy, you know, DLC or DCL goals. That's going to happen. But this is not a guy that's going to put 20 balls in the back of the net every year. He's just not that dude. And you don't have enough pieces on that team to fill in otherwise with double-digit goals and assists to make everybody else around them better. You just don't. You got a team full of fucking Dwight McNeils and James Tarkowskis, and they're going to stay up but they're not going to win much and they're sure as shit, not a good team. You know, I think, I think that's a good shout. They definitely have a quality issue, I think in their roster compared to the teams above them. Like that's undeniable. However, the one thing I will say in their defense today is that this was the first game in a while where I felt like our opponent was actually trying to play some football against us and not just fouling us willy nilly. So I can appreciate that. Um, you know, it, it made for That's some fair. actual interest, you know, in what our opponent was doing. So thank you for that, Everton, if nothing else. 
you know, maybe maybe that's it, Caroline. Maybe it's Fair just enough. that they weren't trying to kick the shit out of us. Maybe that makes me think that they're a little better than some of these other teams that and it, that's they all, weren't that's, sitting that's in a low block. strategy. Right. Yeah, that's a great job. Um, they were also missing Decore, who has been really important for them. Yeah, and and I think I think that grander point of them being on form was the was the other thing. Like we knew they've been playing well, so to hold a team off like that, you know, with the uh, injuries, I guess, and the suspensions and everything that this team is still dealing with on our end, I think that's a, an important win. I think it's a gritty win, like like Scott said, and um, I think that's the the cool thing about it is that we can, you know, it's three on the bounce now after the the, the run of you know kind of misery that we had following the Chelsea match. I just think it's a nice way to go into this, you know, latter part of the year. And and we talked last week at, at, at length about kind of the fixture mess that isn't actually really that big of a mess. You know, it's it's like we always think about the festive period and how daunting it is. But yeah, there's a game this Thursday and another one next Sunday. But outside of that, January is a pretty light schedule. It's a light load. And thank God, because yeah, we got a lot and, of players and, out. Right. And but we also have some players coming back. You know, we got word this week about Vandeven and, and Madison and Bentacore and how it's all looking like sometime in January, early February, those guys could be coming back into the team. So, like, there are some positives to look forward to here as they get through and they're winning games like this, which they don't have to win. Like, you didn't have to win that game today. And we saw right at the very end with, with Danjuma coming on and that goal right on the line. Like, they didn't have to pick up all three points in this game today, it could have just been one. But they did. They picked up all three, and that's I think important at this point. Um, let's let's get into these goals because they came early for Spurs, and they were good goals. Um, the the Brennan Johnson assist for Richarlison, who finishes with his feet. Todd, I know we talked last week a lot about Richarlison, and kind of you know I don't know if there's anything you want to say. I'm not I'm not calling you out mm-hmm. or anything, but you you were not expecting Richarlison to be able to finish like that. And again, if it's going to get put on his foot like it did, or on his head like it did last week. He's got to finish him, but he did, and I, I kind of like that. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Ange is what I want to do because I think Ange knows so much more about football than I would ever, ever, ever hope to know. And I think Ange recognizes exactly how shit Richarlison's finishing is as well as I do. And so because of that, I feel that he puts Richarlison in a position – to be as successful as possible without having to do too much. And I feel like if you think about it, that's exactly what uh, Kyogo did uh, for Celtic. Like he didn't do crazy shit. He just put his ball through the, put his foot through the ball. And so if that's all Richarlison is being asked to do is take up space, make late runs and, and put your foot through the ball, he can do that. And he can do that all day long. So big shout out to Ange for making Richarlison someone who I'm like finally looking at going, all right, all right, fine. So I don't know how long that's going to last, but for the time being, I'm at all right, fine with Richarlison. <laughs> it's four goals in three games. I'll take that. I mean, that's, I said what I said. That's a good, yeah, that's a good, good line. Um, I, I think the other thing that I want to shout out about this is that, Brendan Johnson has looked really good, and I know there's the a Brendan Johnson. There's the been a lot of signing proper Andrew. Yeah, Brendan Johnson's yeah. the man. There, there have been a lot of uh, Brendan Johnson skeptics out there, but even if he's playing third, fourth fiddle in this attack to players like Richarlison's son Kulusevski, like that's all we need him to be. Um, and if he can provide a ball, two like runs a game. Today, I need yeah. two runs a game from Brendan Johnson, and he gives them to you every single game. 
No well, question. and we're giving no Richarlison crap about his finishing, but actually it's, it's Brennan who needs to tighten up his finishing. But he's been providing really True. great assists, so I'm kind of okay with that for now. You know, if I, I feel like if we're at least getting those really great crosses in from him, he's being productive in this system. And, you know, I think the fact that we we're getting some production out of the wings now with him and with Son, you know, that allows Richarlison to thrive as well. So if everything he splashes is the together. inside of the net, Caroline, other than the crossbar and the freaking post in the game two matches ago, we would be singing his praises and how much of an almost it was. So we are mere inches away from Brennan Johnson doing big, big things for this club. Yeah, I'm not a skeptic, just to be clear. Definitely pro-Brennan. And it's been fun to watch, too, just with his speed and everything else. Uh, the second goal, I'm not going to say it was made by him, but you know, that, that move to, to get inside and he bangs a hard shot right at Pickford, who's only able to parry it away and it falls to Sun, who slots it home. Like, I'm not saying Brendan Johnson deserves all the credit in the world for that, but he's making those kinds of moves that create chaos in the box uh, that lead to good things. And it led to the second goal kind of, you know, just about 10 minutes after the first with Sun slotting home. So, Scott, what are you seeing from, from this attack and Brendan Johnson and Kulisevsky in the center? We haven't heard from you a while on this kind of new look makeshift spurs in the attack with, uh, you know, especially with Kulisevsky slotting back to more of that midfield role. Yeah, I mean, Johnson's been great. I've been very not surprised. I, I don't want to say it as if I was, like, doubting him, but I'm surprised in the sense that I didn't expect him to be this good, right? Um, he's super strong on the dribble, beats his man almost every time, which isn't easy to do. Um, and he's got that low cross down. His timing's great. He's just he's really impressing me on the wing. I think Kulisevsky has been really good in the middle, and Brennan has allowed him to, to go into the middle, right? I think if without Brennan Johnson, you really can't take Kulisevsky off the wing. So that's been super important. Um, I think the interesting thing is going to be when Madison comes back, I don't see a world where Decky doesn't start. Um, and so I, I wonder what that's going to do for Brennan Johnson. And we're not – we're not going to be after the Christmas break, right? We're not going to be at a place where we're going to have games coming thick and fast and minutes for everybody. Right. So I will be interested to see what happens with that because as good as Kulisetsky has been on the wing, he doesn't drive the outside as well as he should. Right. And that seems to be a really important part of, of the way we're trying to, 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 to form our attack. Um, those late runs and those parallel well-timed runs with Kulisetsky just, he, he doesn't he doesn't run in parallel with his fellow attackers like at all and Brendan Johnson does such a good job of it so it'll be interesting to see what happens because um, like I said Kulisevsky is like I think for Ange Postacoglu the first person he puts on the team sheet every week Kulu plays every minute he never comes off he's never subbed off the field um, and, and Ange talks about how important he is to the setup so in a weird way having to find that that Madison replacement has really allowed Brennan Johnson to thrive. And I don't want to, I don't even want to talk about what happens when that balance teeters from the return of Madison. It'll be interesting. I think though, it's going to be a good problem to have, you know, when we finally start to have actual depth back, because we saw today, like with sun, especially looking super leggy, like these players really put a lot of work in when it comes to Angus system. So I think having kind of that physical reinforcement is going to be a really positive thing. And to have players like Johnson coming off the bench and we don't see a drop in quality, 
You know what I mean? Like that, that's kind of been the next step we needed to take for many years now. So that I think it's going to be a positive actually. I agree that it's going to be a positive, but I think, I think you're going to see games where Johnson starts on the left over Richie. I think there's going to be games when Sonny goes through the middle and Richie starts on the left and uh, you're going to see Decky and James Madison in the middle with like Benton Kerr. Like, I think that this is going to offer us an opportunity to do so many different things once we're all healthy. And I don't think that people recognize exactly how flexible and adaptable Ange is going to have the opportunity to be in offense once we get everybody healthy. Because think about how many offensive pieces we've had go down. Solomon, fucking Richie, Perisic, Madison. Just the offensive pieces alone that we're talking about right now. Uh, Johnson for a couple of games with the hamstring, right? Like, yep. like you, you look at this and you, he's never had – I mean, Sonny's battle-tested and battle-worn, but this man is clearly not fully fit. And it's like you've never seen Ange with all of his offensive weapons at his disposal for an extended period of time. And I think when that happens, to, to be candid, with – how well he's done rotating defensively for us with all the fucking shenanigans we've had to deal with over the course of the last two months. Like God help the rest of the league when Ange has the ability to rotate his offensive pieces to fit the matchup. That's all I'm saying. You know what it's going to make all of us say, mate. Mate. It's just gonna be mate, mate. Indeed. Um, just to back you up, Scott, on your point about Kulisevsky playing every minute, you guys want to guess who ha- who leads the, the, the team in league minutes other than uh, Guglielmo Vicario this season? That's right. It's Kulisevsky. Um, he, he's, he's played the most of anyone. Uh, anybody want to take a stab at who number two is on that list? It just makes a lot Bruce? of sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense when you think about it, but it's like, oh, yeah. Pedro he's Poro? Been Pedro Poro. He's the guy, oh, shit, really? and and it, and it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. But at the same time, you're like, damn, that guy's been really consistent in getting all the minutes as well. So yeah, those those two Scotty, guys. You, even, Scotty, you missed minutes. it. I I ate a big fat double portion of Pedro Poro Crow uh, <laughs> on yeah. the last episode that I was on because I, I talked wild brazen shit on that man. And his defensive <laughs> liability issues. Dude, and he's my, done an exceptional job fitting into the system. You know, my preseason article, I put he was going to be the bust of the season and like the big disappointment if I had to pick one. And he's been the best player. I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's been fucking phenomenal. I mean, so much credit to Pedro Pora. Hey, guys, I hold on one second. Let me grab off screen here. I've got a plate full of crow for myself because I, I want to um, hold on. Let me cut this up for a second. I, I don't want to spoil my thanks, my, my, my Christmas feast coming up in a few days, but I'm going to hold on. This looks a lot. This looks like an Italian piece of crow and it looks a lot like our goalkeeper. Hold on a second Ooh, because I want to shout that guy oh, out right now. I was yeah. I was skeptical as hell about Guglielmo sure. coming into the season. Uh, man of the match for me today. He was incredible once again. And I, I think back to the fact that, you know, last week we were talking about a clean sheet and I was like, damn, I'm surprised that's this team's fifth clean sheet because it doesn't feel like it's been that many. But even though they didn't get the clean sheet today, I'm sitting here thinking, God, it's another one where he kept us in it. I mean, think about, you know, I joked earlier about the Dan Juma moment at the end of the game, but that eventually gets revo- reviewed and turned into a goal if he doesn't keep that off the line um, or 
you know, from crossing line. It was on the line. He's the guy. He's very on the line. Uh, but but Vicario, my goodness, like I'll I'll you know I'm go ahead. I'm gonna let you guys talk. Let me let me get into this crow over here. Hold on. Yeah, no, no, no please dig in. I wanna I wanna have a conversation real quick. Not not about how amazing he's been because you know we beat that that horse to to a certain amount of pulp. He's been fantastic in every match. I don't know what other. Um, you know, superlatives we can use about Vicario at this point in time that we haven't. But what I want to do instead is compare and contrast him against his counterpart on the other side of the field today. The England number one goalkeeper who absolutely cries from the mountaintops if he scratches his nuts properly, let alone saves the ball. And Vicario on the other end of the pitch keeps us in that match 10 times and has the ice cold stare of a contract killer. I fucking love that guy. My kid wears his name on his back. It's amazing. I love that guy. You know, that's true, Todd. However, the rare times when he does make a mistake, he is so hilarious in the way that he will like completely just, you know, self-deprecatingly laugh at himself. Uh, we, we got a, a real, one of those really classic moments in this game, but I think the thing with Vicario for me is that I struggle to look back at our season and think of many goals where he was at fault. You know what I mean? Like That's a great he, shout, yes. Too often I'm just like, man, poor Vicario had no chance. His defense let, let him out to dry there, you know. But, yeah, I think no, he's I... just – he made an incredible save in this game where, I mean, it was really the, the game saver, essentially. Um, Andrew's losing it. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm just really glad that, that that you started talking after the scratching his nuts properly comment because I don't know what, <laughs> what transition I was gonna make. I'm 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 over here crying, laughing about that comment, and I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, sorry. I'm glad I'm glad you chimed in before I had to because I had nowhere to go. Um, I had no transition to make off of that. I'm I'm just glad that that you were the one to pick the ball up off the court there and and, and put it through the net. <laughs> That was no. That was a good. That was a good quote, Todd. Uh, uh, fair I, enough. No, no. Madison actually, Scotty Madison, uh, you know, was was quoted in a, in a, the darts interview that he had the other day, um, as as you know, talking about how Pickford's notorious for beating his chest every time he does the most routine thing. He reminds me of a DB in the NFL. So I, I just had to, you know, he's also, he's just a fucking weird guy too. Anybody who actively as a All goalkeepers man, are weird it. though. Oh yeah. And, and oh, true. Yeah. And true. Hey, listen, I'm as, as someone who plays keeper in, in, in men's league, like I agree. Uh, but yeah. what, what I will choice, tell by you. The way, to play keeper in men's league. We, hey, we, I've done we the same thing. I'm, I'm a weirdo too. Yeah. Trust me. I, I dig it. But what I will say is anybody who any grown man that, that still chooses to use uh, L.A. looks gel on their hair uh, and go out in public like you deserve to get made fun of, Jordan Pickford. I'm just telling we're going to call it what it is. Hey, you know what Scott and I say? Any man who chooses to have hair on the top of his head, that, that's a, that's right there. Yeah, as fellow balds. As of a week ago, he had made no mistakes that led to a goal, like statistically zero of them. Um, and I don't think you would you would say that that number went up today, right? So, um, no, I mean yeah, he... Tim Howard, Scotty. Tim Howard said that statistically last week, statistically, Vicario is the best goalkeeper in the Premier League this season. Oh yeah, and on, honestly, there's there's droves of 
of Italians and or fans of the Italian national team, myself included, that are very much calling for him to start over over the dude that plays for PSG, Donnarumma. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Vicario is, is a very special keeper, and I'm really glad that we didn't waste, like, $25 million to, to go and get Raya instead of Vicario. I think that would have been, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but that might have been a bit of a silly choice at this point. And not that Raya hasn't been great for Arsenal. I mean, they're, you know, anytime a team's top of the table, you, you think their keeper's done a fine job. But Vicario's just a special, special keeper. And I always appreciate having – you know, an, an Italian international on the squad. So, so speaking of, you know, Vicario maybe surpassing everyone and becoming one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League, there's a certain center back who has gotten a shout about that this week too, who's kind of done, been on that same track, and that's Cody Romero. Scott, how much uh, gastrointestinal fortitude did it take to see uh, – Christian Romero departing at halftime and Eric Dyer coming on for him and then seeing Cootie with a ice pack on his hamstring in the second half sitting on the bench. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, I said it earlier this morning, but Dyer just gives that half half yard of space to everyone around him in this system. And I don't even think it's like it's a knock on him. It's just his style of play is not suited to the way Oh no, it's play. a knock on him. We'll get to that. In a yeah, and and Go it ahead. can be, right? But but the way he plays is his his skill set is not well suited to this system. Such a high line, etc. Um just tons of space when he's on the field and you know, I think Cudi Romero it's something that we take for granted is is how much space he just eats up with his with his athletic ability, but I will say too, you know, Romero I think I think he's well within a shot of of top center back in the Premier League. I also still have a little bit of a bone to pick with him because that Chelsea game was the was the start of of just kind of a rough period, right? And that I never I wasn't on the show to talk about it, but that was just a really bad tackle and and something that you know again this is way in the past, and I'm not upset about it or anything, but I do. No, it doesn't sound like it. That, yeah, but but just <laughs> clearly not. I got to catch up on some things, but, but I just need him to be mindful of the fact that one decision he made really has impacted our season. And, and again, we're in a great place. Like if you would have told me we're in, in, in within the top four right now, holy shit, I'd bite your hand off. But at the same time, I just need him to be mindful of the fact that a, a decision that he made really hurt the team. And I just don't want to see that anymore, but he's definitely top, top three center backs in the premier league. And I want him on the field. <laughs> TC, what? Eric Dyer, who? Go for it. What do you want to say? What I want to say was I was watching the match this morning, and when he retreated and splashed that ball out for a corner, I literally said the words, "Oh." another poor Eric Dyer decision that leads directly to a goal. And then fucking immediately after that, they score a goal, Andrew. It's because... The, and you I, said and something. I, I, no, fuck off. It's because I posted in the chat, if there was a plus minus in football like there is in hockey, Eric Dyer would be minus 150. Every fucking match that I agonize about, and I swear to God, the Tottenham ulcer that I have, about 85% of it is Eric Dyer's number fucking 15. I can see it in the view of the ball going in the back of the net. 
Like, it's just get fucked, sir. Respectfully. You are a kind and and, and uh, 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 a renowned gentleman. You 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 are a, a philanthropist, and you 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 are a a, 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 a a by all accounts a good friend. And I appreciate the heck out of the fact that you play football professionally. Now, please, pretty please, with a fucking cherry on top, go do it for somebody else's club. That's all I got. All right. I, I, I can't really disagree with anything. I mean, it, it, I think we know this. He's not fit for the system. January's coming up. We'll see no, no, what no, no, happens. No, no. I don't Fuck think he's leaving. Hold on. Hold on I don't a think second. he's leaving. Hold, but... hold on a second. That's, dude, no. You don't get to the system, Eric Dyer. Because we've tried Eric Dyer in five fucking systems. And he's been dog shit in three positions in all of them. So no, okay. no, no, no. We don't get to say that Eric Dyer is not good for this system. Why? Because he can't play a high line. That's a great point, Andrew. He can't play a high line. You know what would be even worse than him playing a high line? I don't know. Fucking defending his own box for 90 minutes. And we watched that for three and a half years. And that was dog shit. You know what we might do? We might move him into defensive midfield because, I mean, he's a good guy. He's very athletic. Yeah, but he passes about as well as my dog. So that puts us in a really tough position, Andrew. You know, you shouldn't joke about him pulling the John Stones and moving into defensive midfield because Ange might actually try it. No, see, no, 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 Ange won't because because Ange watched Potch do it and it not fucking work. It's almost as Uh, bad as putting Sonny at left wing back, Potch, but that's a different conversation for a different day. All I'm saying is that it's not a system thing with Eric Dyer. It's an Eric Dyer thing with Eric Dyer. You said Scott's trigger word. You said Potch, and he, he perked right up. No, I was like, hey, You're not wrong. On, You're not no. wrong. But I, you, I, it has to be said, for the sake of the integrity of the show, that Eric Dyer played almost every match. We went all the way with Lester as a central defensive midfielder. But he was next to the greatest midfielders to ever play football in Musa Dembele, right? So that makes that makes in Musa Dembele's best best season for Tottenham. Oh, easy. I mean, his best season of his career, right? For yes, sure. Musa Dembele, without a doubt. So I think with you, know, it, you it mean ha- it's almost kind of like uh, Jan Vertonghen making Davinson Sanchez look like a serviceable center back, as did Toby. So I agree. I mean, your partner matters, and that that year Eric Dyer was really just asked to fall back into a three in possession and then out of possession, just somehow find the ball and get it to Musa as quickly as possible. Like that's all. And then Dembele would one. move the ball up to pitch and yeah, get it to yeah. Erickson. He would did. ping into one of our forward options. Exactly. It was glorious. Dyer made w- more one yard passes than anyone in recorded history. Oh, he hoibeared his ass off that year. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Uh, I'm still stuck on Scott saying that this show has integrity. That's that's interesting to me. I, that's news yeah. to me as well. I, I wasn't aware. I mean, integrity is subjective. Come on. <laughs> um, I, w- w- what else is there to say about this game, you guys? I, I like I said at the top. I we're think top four. Those... We're top four yeah. at Christmas is what there is to say. We beat a team that was unbeaten in four Premier League matches. And we're four points off the top. I mean, we're four, four points, points off the top. And that's, that's the bigger point to me too. Like for, for everything that this team has been through, as we reach Christmas time, this team is four points off the top. Like that's a little nuts to me, considering, you know, just all of the turmoil, I guess. Uh, and a lot of that turmoil, by the way, self-inflicted. Well, 
Um, but but still, turmoil nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact I think this run of the last three matches, I think it's been three, right on the bounce. We it just shows a ton about this team's fortitude and mentality because I think that run of five games, and again, I haven't been on the show for like any of this, right? But the those run of five games were were just fucking nasty and not good. Um, I mean, we had fucking Roy Allen. Other, other than Man City, I mean, that was that was delightful. Yeah, the Man City and, game was delightful. And I think that was just the one we got because that's the way that that things work, right? We just take points off City regardless of the situation. But it's a, it it was it was a rough rough patch for us. And Cat Cat and I were watching when we oh, who did we lose? when we lost to Villa, and we were at the pub and Everton was playing at the same time and Everton fans were going nuts because they got a huge win. I can't remember who they beat, but. Anyways, I, I started to have that feeling again where, like, fuck, here we go again, like, just doing stupid shit and almost found, like, almost found some comfort in, like, the self-deprecation again that I had under Conte, right? But um, but then something told me, like, this is different, right? This is just a fucked up situation where Romero gets a stupid red card, bring it up one more time, and 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 we face a couple injuries, right, that put us in a tough spot, and you know, it's definitely, definitely not the days of Mourinho and Conte. We're just this team is is full of fortitude and grit. Like I said, the the fact that you can fuck up so bad for a month and a half and then find the will to get up and really play some good football again, I think says a lot about the team. And again, four points off the top in fourth place, like we're well within uh, within earshot of of a title race for sure, and it's exciting to see. There's only so many first team players you can lose and not get some dodgy results along the way. And I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of what makes it hurt the most is knowing that if we had had some of those key players still in the team, like Romero with his suspension, you know, could, could things have gone different and could we be in an even better position right now against the odds? Um, Cause we have to remember that at the beginning of the season, we had lost Harry Kane, new manager, you know, several new signings coming straight into the starting 11. We didn't know how it was going to go. So I think the fact that we're in such a good spot going, you know, heading into the the festive fixtures, um, I, I just feel happy. You know, I'm trying to to let the, the negative things that have happened go and focus on the positives, which are that we're playing much, much better football than we've seen for years now. So. Absolutely. I mean, if you take, if you take a look, Kaz, at, at the, the table, Last year at this time, we were still in fourth place at the top of our Champions League group, besides the point. But we were still in fourth place, but we were 10 points off the top and five points off a second. Now we're, we're in fourth, four points off the top and just three points off of a tie at second and third. So I mean, this is this is, and more than anything else, and I and I, you know, had a conversation with Andrew about this earlier today, and he said, you know, last year, like, yes, we were there, but very much felt like the elephant at the top of the tree sort of situation, like a rudderless ship going into the second half of the season. Now, to Andrew's point, we have a plan, and we're getting healthy at the right time, God willing, and you know, all the things. Uh, we're getting healthy at the right point in time. It looks like the pendulum and momentum is, is swinging in our favor coming the second half of the year. And I have to say this. I'm so fucking thankful that we're not in a semifinal 
for a fucking Carabao Cup. I'm so thankful. Because what I'm looking at instead is two Premier League matches in January and one FA Cup match as it stands right now. And then everybody's healthy going down the stretch. Now, do I want to beat Burnley? Almost as much as I want to take my next breath. But I'm telling you right now that regardless, I feel positive about, more positive about February and beyond in this season than I've felt about a Tottenham season in a long time. I really love that. And I also want to point out, you know, Scott said the word title race a couple minutes ago, and I'm not, I, look, just like Ange has said over the weeks, I'm not going to deny anyone their dreams, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself at the same time either. But when you look around at the rest of this league right now, there's not a great team. There are very, very good teams, but no one is playing great. No one's running away with this thing. And the point that we're four, you know, the, the, the point of being four points off the top right now, you look at the three teams above Spurs right now. You're talking about Arsenal, of course, who Spurs went on the road and got an important draw there already. You're talking about Liverpool. Well, they beat Liverpool already. And you're talking about Aston Villa. All right, Aston Villa, I think, are a pretty good team. They beat us. We were also extremely, extremely limited in what we were able to do because of we'll all see the stuff, you know, gesturing around wildly, all the stuff that had gone around, gone on. Um, and then you look at the team right below us in Manchester City, who everyone would say, Oh, that's still a team that you know has the capability to turn yep. on the Jets, and obviously is you know they the, the reason they didn't play this weekend and have a game in hand is because they were off winning the Club World Cup, whatever the fuck that thing is. I know that that's like one of those kind of silly competitions that we still include in in the pantheon, but um, we but, say that. But if we had a shot, we'd want to win it. Oh, no question. <laughs> I, I'll take one. Totally. Don't get me wrong, but like <laughs> that's one of those competitions. Where I'm not like, <laughs> that's still a team is my point that is that is going to be in it. Um, oh, 100%. I mean, they don't have De Bruyne or Highland right now. But other than that, I mean, look at the other teams that you would think could be competitive. I mean, Newcastle lost to Luton today. Uh, you're talking about West Ham. Come on, West Ham. Manchester United are a mess. Uh, the team we got coming up this Thursday, Brighton. I think they're a good team, but also they're sitting in ninth place right now. We're sitting in fourth place. Like, I, I just... I like Brighton the way that this team on terms. I, I think I, that this, you know, this, this sets up for what could be a really wild second part of the season with just there, the fact that there's not this is not a one or two team race. There's a lot of teams in the mix of this. And and Todd, to your point, if if, if we're gonna get healthier and we're gonna maybe add some reinforcements in January, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and and scoff at the fact that Scott mentioned a title race earlier. I want a top four in an FA Cup, Andrew. And we'll figure it out in year two like Ange teams always do. I, now, I was going to say. I, I, will, I will walk back and say I said three months ago that this season is the best chance that Tottenham has to win a title under Ange because we have no European football. And the other teams above us will all have very meaningful games in that late February through March time frame into April, possibly, that are going to make a massive difference in their season that we're not going to have to worry about. I, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll take the opportunity to, to credit myself, right, when I can, but I, I just 
I, I think I want to highlight how, again, important it was and how why I was so happy when we didn't get Europe. And I, I remember hopping on the pod at the end of the season and I said, like, everyone celebrate. We're, we finished eight. This is fucking fantastic. Yep. And if we were in Europe these during those run of five games when we could barely feel the team, oh, fuck, it would have all it would have all toppled, like without a doubt. Um, we would we would have had a couple extra games with Royale and and Dyer as our center back pairing. It would have got nasty. Davies would have been at left back, so you have to use those two in the middle. And more losses crush confidence more, right? And it just it would have been a bad deal. So I'm I I, I think that's a great shout shout out. Todd. This this is our year to to really go for it. Every year needs to be, but I think the FA Cup has got to be prioritized. Like it has to be taken very seriously. Um, we that would be such an important trophy for this club to win. Um, and then when anytime you're four points off the top at Christmas and you don't end up in the uh, you know in in that title race in the last month of the year, then you fucked up at some point, right? So, I I think you know we can temper expectations and it's Angel's first year and you know he'll just improve, blah blah blah. But we we've done enough to put ourselves in a position where we can't really turn our backs to to what is in front of us at this point and we really need to need to go for for the premier league title like you said no one is a standout i think it really comes down to man city arsenal and tottenham in that order right now in my opinion i still think man city's in fifth but when de bruyne comes back shows over like it, they're going to be that powerhouse again and, and See, again Oh, I appreciate it. Dude, I was just going to say, I totally appreciate that perspective, except for flip-flop for me, Arsenal and Liverpool. I think Arsenal oh, haven't, been, yeah, haven't, haven't been really touched up by the, by the injury bug too much yet. Um, they've got some trash players that are out, but in, in terms of their like, starting 11, it hasn't been too much. They've had all their guns for the most part. And don't talk to me about Gabriel Jesus. That guy's fucking garbage. They're trying to offload mm-hmm. him as soon as possible. Um, but what I will say is that I think that, that if Liverpool has the opportunity to get healthy, it's a good um, job. They had a, they had a couple yeah. other injuries today. Um, I think that they, they might do a little something. But I think City's going to prioritize, especially given where they are in the league, I think they're going to prioritize Champions League, which I rightfully should. Uh, you know, I, I would if, if I were them, given where they're at. Um, I think Aston Villa is going to probably prioritize European competition. Uh, when it gets down to it, because they haven't really been touched up by the injury bug, though I'm, I, I don't want to bring this up, but I will say that um, I, I found uh, it a little interesting, a, 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 a particular name that showed up on the Aston Villa injury list after the last match. That's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> But I think that ultimately, you know, they're a little thin. I don't know that they have the depth to really be that we're going to run off five or six unbeaten in March. I don't know that that's there for them hmm. by February, March time frame. So I, I, think, I think that those, those battle-tested teams that are used to being up there are the ones that we're going to see. I just I don't give Arsenal a ton of credit because they had a super easy run of fixtures at the beginning of the season. I think the meat of their season is coming up between now and about the beginning of February or I'm sorry, the middle of February. I think they get a lot of nasty stuff that they got to deal with in a row and then it lightens up for them. Um, So let's have a conversation, you know, around the middle of February as to where they are. 
uh, especially as they're trying to go deep against, you know, stiffer and stiffer competition in the Champions League because we all know they're not built to win it. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree about Aston Villa not having the squad depth to last in this title challenge for sure. Um, I think for us, it's just going to be important that we keep getting results against the teams that, you know, in the past we've sometimes gotten complacent against because um, we've got quite a few of those coming up and we've got a stretch right at the end of the season almost where we play Newcastle, City, Arsenal and Liverpool back to back. So that concerns me. Like if we've not built up the points at that point, that might be where it all crumbles. But because we know the other, these other teams are going to start to get it together too. And I think for us, it's really just a matter of getting healthy. But, you know, for some of them, it's, it's like tactical stuff that they've got to sort out. But I agree with Scott that we have to prioritize the FA Cup at the same time, just from a pure morale perspective for the fan base. Like we, we cannot go out of a cup easily again like we have season after season like it's just even the league cup like I know that it really would have been a bad thing for us to have those extra games at this point in the season with the injury crisis but it still was just super crushing that we went out of it so I disagree I totally cool. disagree and the other reason why is because we played the kids we had nine first team rotations and Fraser Forrester looked like a slow version of the goal saving robot in that in that penalty shootout so you just you take your L's when they come and you recognize sometimes if I got to take an L, it's going to be that one. And I've talked about this. If you think about like where those games would have been and the amount of time, effort and energy that would have taken us to participate in that competition with the injuries and suspension that we had, it would have been an absolute shit show. So we didn't do that. Now we're at Christmas. We're top four. We're looking at a legitimate shot of a fresh team chasing down an FA Cup and a top four finish, four points in shouting distance at the top. I don't know that at the beginning of this season, I could have bitten your fucking hand off fast enough to take this from you if you offered it. And to your point, if they are in extra competitions. They simply don't have the depth, but in a week, that's where they can start to work on that because the transfer window is almost open. And hopefully we've heard a lot of word this week about potential additions in a little over a week. Now that's where that can start to be addressed too. I think it's going to be a really important January. And I'm not saying that um, I'm not saying that it's make or break by any stretch, but it would be really cool to go out and find, you know, like a, a Benton Kulisevsky type of duo to bring in and really change things and give this team some of that depth to be able to play in more competitions going forward. Obviously, you know, looking into next season, hopefully there's European competitions, but for now, hopefully they can add a little bit and, you know, just keep this thing going and, and kind of even improve it as the injuries get better, the suspensions get better and they can add a little bit more to the squad. That would be really, really nice. Um, the other big news this week and kind of the only other news that came out of this club is this announcement about the Super League. And there's not a whole ton to say that the club released a statement on Thursday uh, talking about the ruling from the European Court of Justice uh, regarding the European Super League. They would like to confirm that their position has not changed. Uh, the club remains committed to the values of European football and will continue to work with fellow clubs through the ECA and participate in UEFA competitions. It's basically, it's funny that this Super League thing has kind of continued to linger out in the ether and then it comes up this week and 
everybody <laughs> is kind of like, now nah, we're good. Um, I, I don't really have a whole ton to say other than, it, it, you know, I guess groupthink is is kind of where we all are with this at this point. And no, nobody wanted the Super League. It was rejected. Um, and this almost felt like beating a dead horse. But, uh, you know, it was kind of just it was interesting to see everybody with their pitchforks saying, yeah, we don't want that thing. Get it away still. Um, so well, I, it's interesting. Where though, else because, do we go with this, Scott? Yeah, the, the interesting thing is Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Juventus are the three that I think are giving this any sort of breath, right? I think Bayern up in Germany has integrity, without a doubt. They don't want any part of this. That's the only team. That's the only other team I can think of that's like just really used to winning and has a hard would have a hard time not being at the top, right? Just based on, on how comfortable they are being there. But they have integrity. I respect Byron a lot as a club, except Harry Kane. I still don't like that guy very much right now. Um <laughs> but uh but Byron sorry, Barca Real and, and Juventus, I think they're just they're so used to winning and they're just kind of like spoiled spoiled children right now. And so I think there's a little bit of, of breath or sorry, of, of air coming from the lungs of those three teams. But I think the, the biggest thorn in the side of the Super League is the Premier League. It's it's so competitive. Players, All players want to go there now at this point, right? I think it's obvious. Um, if you go to any of the other big, big five leagues right outside, and it's not England, you're either on a team that's going to win or you're on a team that can't, right? And nobody wants any part of that. Um so the Premier League is kind of kind of becoming that Super League, right? You see, you see guys like Pau Torres wind up at Aston Villa, and if Aston Villa is not in the English Premier League, they're not good, right? They don't have the ability to sign the players that they're signing. They can't get at Unai Emery there, without a doubt. Um, so it just it's really interesting. I'm curious to see where the Premier League goes over the next decade, right? I think if if Europe doesn't get a handle on 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 the power shift that it just gravitating to england who knows what's going to happen um i see some weird world where where europe finds a way to like to to stop that power shift from happening at some point right the the revenue all of that that we see in england compared to everywhere else it'll be interesting but i'm certainly glad that that i support a team that's part of that league and not in one of those leagues where you just you know you might win the title or you have no chance of winning it right it, it it's really interesting, like and evidenced by what Barcelona did this week, how strapped they are, where they play a league game on Wednesday and then they fly to Dallas, Texas for a, a money making exhibition type of game, and then you know a, a day later. I mean, obviously there's time zones involved there, but um, it's just it, it it's obvious why these teams are doing this. The the answer to all your questions is money. Um, but as you say, the premier league is so flush with money and, you know, just raking it in hand over fist that they don't, they don't need this. So it's, it's nice to see that <laughs> I guess that they have at least the little bit of integrity to say, no, we don't need that because we're already, you know, top dog, but at it the same have point, it doesn't anything to do with integrity. Well, it, it has to do no, with, no, call, dude, fucking call it what it is. It has nothing to do with integrity. It has everything to do with money, and there isn't enough in it for it for them to choose to do it. They floated it, and Tottenham was on the fucking board the last time. Right. They floated it when they were like, this is hot shit. We're going to do it. We're new. We're fresh. Fuck you, Champions League. Fuck you, UEFA. Watch all the things that we can do. 
And UEFA came out and was like, oh, yeah? Well, we're going to sue each and every one of you motherfuckers for breach of contract because all of you are already locked into UEFA competitions. So that shit's not going to happen. Good luck with that. And so everybody that was super happy with their UEFA contract already, Tottenham, went back and was like, oh, okay. All right, that's fine. Everybody who went, oh, shit, we got to figure out something. We got to figure out something. Uh, Juventus in Barcelona and Real Madrid. Uh, they went back to the well again and tried to make this better. Well, you can put as much lipstick on a fucking pig as you want to. Eyeshadow as, as well. It's still going to root in its own shit, Andrew. And that's where we are with this deal. And nobody wanted a part of it. You know, I think, honestly, the fact that there was such a coordinated fan protest about the Super League is really what killed it. I, I just don't think that the clubs like our own would have ultimately backed off if they hadn't seen such a strong response from the fans. Um, I think money would have won out. But the problem here is that it's it's really just a choice between the devil you know and the devil you don't. And the devil we know is UEFA. And they, they still have no concern for the fact that there are way too many games being played every season and players are just on the brink of exhaustion in every league across Europe. So it's, you know, it's like, it's a good thing that it's, it's not going to happen, but at the same time, it's, there's still a lot of reform that needs to happen, not just at the sort of regional level, but also the Premier League itself. But I mean, we could do a whole pot about that, so I'm not going to go on, but yeah. <laughs> it, honestly, Kaz, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I definitely think that a big, a very simple fix is to just kind of change the squad rules to accommodate more players uh, and, and more non-homegrown players. Um, and I think that that basically solves everybody's fucking problem, especially for these teams that they want to continue to get into these leagues. They have enough money to field the squad that's large enough to accommodate the amount of games that these players are being asked to play. And you get to get more players with more exposure and more game times. So you can develop them faster, which plays into this whole wonder kid thing, which is where all the money is in young youth development anyway. So as you mentioned, this could be an entirely different pod, but I, I definitely think that there is opportunity there uh, for reform. I, I couldn't agree more with that. I certainly think the FA would, would have something to say about changing the homegrown numbers, but I, I, I get your point. Like it's, you know, Something has to be done in order to well, lessen the burden the on. Well, it has, doesn't have anything to do with the FA. Pretty important. Homegrown rules. Well, no, no. There's different homegrown rules for FA and and, uh, and UEFA competitions as is. Right, but they want they they're still going to want you know a certain number of homegrown players being on Premier League teams. Um, you know, just for the no, no. no I'm just saying home, the, the the homegrown rules for the for the European competitions. I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying you can expand squad depth. Listen. City figures out some fucking way to get all of these pay players that they're paying. They sure do. To get on the pitch. So if they those motherfuckers sure can figure it out, we can too. I mean, fucking Chelsea paid a mil $100 million for Murdrick or whatever his fucking name is. If that can happen, we can expand the squad depth for UEFA competition. Well, dude, Jesus. all you got to do to keep players happy who don't play a lot is pay them double the wages that they're making elsewhere. So there's the answer to that question. I don't think we're we're quite there yet, right? As a club, and I really hope we don't ever get there. But you look at, I think Calvin Calvin Phillips is 
is a fantastic midfielder. Can't get a, a lick of playing time. Not happy, right? It sounds like he's going to move on anyways. And unfortunately, Newcastle is interested. So, <laughs> well, I mean, he wouldn't a, play for us, Scott. Oh, you you know what? You, yeah, Basuma and Bentaker yes. are ahead of him. Basuma Sar when when they're healthy and not suspended. When they're exactly. healthy, they're, when they're healthy. What, what I'm saying is that he's he's third at the eight at Tottenham. He's next up at Tottenham, in my opinion. So, I, I better mean, than at City, I don't know, man. We'll, 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 we'll have time. Talking about who gives a shit? <laughs> we'll have time over the next handful of weeks to talk about transfers, um, because, like I said, the window is going to be open, and that's my policy. When the window's open, we can talk about these things. But the speculation, I just hope we that's, add some quality players for depth, because I think we'll need it going into the. Well, you know what. Season. One of the, I think that's a perfect segue, and I love perfect segues, Andrew. Is uh, I, I, this is the the opportunity for the fans to send in specifically to Andrew? No, not to me. At Don't send him a No, send no. him directly to Andrew A Stetka, and we'll put out a post from the pod. Uh, uh, your transfer window questions directly yes. to Andrew and, and we'll do a pod at break Tottenham Depot. You can, you can send them there. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't check that one as often as my own. You know personally. Andrew edits the pod too, right? So he could just cut this out. <laughs> I can, I can out, honestly, guys. I could make I could make Todd say a number of things. I, I have his voice recorded. I, we could get some AI shit going on in here. Don't worry. I, that's not a joke. That's not a joke. <laughs> Uh, guys, it's, it's Brighton this week, a trip to Brighton, followed by uh, a return home to play Bournemouth next Sunday, two games in the week uh, as we barrel toward the end of December and a new year. Um, we will be back with you guys next week to talk about both those games, plus the opening of that very same transfer window, which does open up in January, which we, we've made it. We've almost come to come to the close of another season or rather another year. Um, and you know, happy, happy to have you all along with me for it. Uh, for Scott, who is at Scott G bird for Todd, who is at TC underscore Cashow, Caroline is at CG Stefco. I can be found at ACE that don't send the transfer questions there. Send them to <laughs> at Tottenham Depot. That is where you find us on the socials, uh, Twitter threads, Instagram, all the good places. Uh, and some of the not so good places as well. And be sure to leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. Uh, until next week, this has been the Tottenham Depot Podcast. As always, come on you Spurs. <laughs>